painful. <clears throat> Hello, my name's Rebecca. And I'm Steve. And this is an out-of-character podcast. Out-of-character interview. Something like that. So, uh, as all of you know, this past weekend we finally did our Long Shadows episodes. It was and a long wait for them, Long Shadows. <laughs> so many horrible things happened. My computers went kaput, and then my work had me working at two different places, and then Steve was on really weird schedules, so things just didn't get done. But we're back now, and it feels so good to be back. How we've missed you. Oh, I've missed you all so much. So very much. So, uh, just so that... No, don't mind me. I'm being silly. Okay, let, let's do, before we jump into who the interview is with, let's do mm -hmm. that, that normal thing that we never do in any of the episodes that we do. Oh, apologies, we're recording in a different room. That's why you hear the ferret losing her mind in the background. Yeah, she's really upset because she's in her cage, but we're not in her cage with her, so... <laughs> Uh, so, uh, the, what is it? Like, subscribe, Patreon. Oh my gosh, do YouTubes, all of our stuff. Uh, um, we are, child. we are currently rebuilding our website. Uh, some of you might not realize we have a website where we try to write companion pieces to a lot of our episodes. And by try, I mean entirely fail after the first four. Um, but we're also adding like an out of character stuff so you guys can see what kind of cool projects Steve and I are working on. Yeah. And it's a fun time. We'll talk about the modules we're working on because Rebecca's working on some DMs Guild stuff. I'm working on some DMs Guild stuff. We're mm -hmm. all trying to get that DMs Guild dosh, you know? I mean, not really. I just want to do it because people have said they'd want it. No, I want to do it for the dosh. I'm well, entirely selfish. Yeah. I, yeah. yeah. I mean, I mean, I, I'd want it just so that I can turn around and give more money to other people. <laughs> we love your patrons. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, look, look out for that. Um, links, as always, in the description of each episode. What is he doing? Is he building his room? Like, Russell, I can hear him just rolling around yeah. upstairs. Our oh, roommate my is just... Good old meeps. Being noisy. Uh, another cool thing going on. Not cool thing going on. Um, some people asked about, don't mind me guys, I'm really tired, we're doing this last minute. Um, some people asked about the images we used for the Long Shadows episodes. Um, I did those in Photoshop and I'm really proud of myself. Um... The first night is supposed to have Volt, uh, Cipherus, and Dravago, those three moons. Uh, the second night has the same moons. The third night actually drops Dravago and gives us Baracus and Therindor Baracus being a little bit on the, the shy side of things, um, which is uh, really cool. And I hope you guys enjoy it. Please feel free to use it um, if you want, like, the... But like PNGs or JPEGs or whatever, like just hit me up. I think we put it on our website. I'm not entirely positive. Meeps is run on the website. We're not in yeah. charge anymore. We've lost control of that whole thing. It's entirely true. <laughs> Uh, regardless, this first interview is with the wonderful Jared Taylor, who played um, the rich elf uh, from Sharn, Amaranth Ear something i don't remember his last name regardless you guys watched the episode i didn't 
you know who I'm talking about. Uh, he's a wonderful person. Please enjoy us rambling on. He's uh, clearly a vampire. And, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Please enjoy us rambling on with uh, Mr. Jared Taylor. Hi, my name's Rebecca. And I'm Steven. And this is an out-of-character interview with Jared. Hi. Oh my gosh, it's Jared Taylor. I was like, what's his last name? Unless I have it wrong, in which case I'm the worst person that's ever existed. And anything's possible. That's not a confirmation one way or the other, Rebecca. <laughs> enjoy that. Yeah. You, you, you savor that. <laughs> yeah, glad to be here. <laughs> I don't know where to go from there. Um... So, <laughs> Jared, who are you? Oh, nobody special, I suppose, but um, avid Eberron fan, um, DMs Guild creator, one of the tiny little people on the DMs Guild. Just, yeah. Very <laughs> small, very, very few, very few uh, things to your name, obviously. Nobody, yeah. nobody in the Eberron community knows who you are. Yeah, You're not at all. Very not at obscure. All. Uh, absolutely. Probably not. Yeah, I mean, if if you if you understand Goblin, you might understand Jared. But other than that, I no, don't no, um, definitely, definitely not. Nobody knows who you are. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, you are joining us uh, for for a Long Shadows episode as uh, a character, um, which all of that will be linked down in the description. But tell us how you got introduced to Eberron. So I I was the first one in my circle that noticed Eberron, and I immediately fell in love with the setting. I loved how Eberron would take things that have a place, but spin them in unique ways. I, of course, immediately fell in love with the way that the goblins were handled. Um, that was something that was very inspiring to me. I appreciated the way that Eberron approached magic. It was probably a good solid year after it came out before I was able to twist the arms of my friends to try the setting. And for me personally, it's definitely, definitely my favorite. I prefer to run in Eberron if given the opportunity other than any other campaign setting. Now, other than D&D, do you play any other tabletop RPGs? Oh, it's not as many anymore, but I do have way too many source books for way too many different uh rpgs um let's see call of cthulhu is a big one that i enjoy mutants and masterminds um a lot of the older world of darkness games uh again the older star wars editions um saga west end those are ones that i'm probably the most capable and familiar with and seventh sea was actually my first rpg Ooh, that's not one we get typically um, I was gonna say Cthulhu, Cthulhu, yeah, the that's World of pretty, Darkness. Yeah. There's a lot of you know traditional RPGs in there. It's always nice I to hear something unique to that person because we, everyone has like one that they're like, oh, that one, that one's my thing as well. We only have one World of Darkness book in this house, and it's like I want to say it's Werewolf, like second edition. I don't know. That's not what I would play. Yeah, <laughs> I played World of Darkness one time, and uh, it was really fun. But the DM got too meta too often, and it just spiraled out, and it, we couldn't keep it going. So, um, is there a tabletop RPG? Uh, uh, um, not setting. Man, where's my brain? Uh, is is there a tabletop RPG that you haven't played that you want to play? That's um, the question. Yeah. Um, 
I would I pretty sure I've got a couple source books for Savage Worlds, but I've never gotten the chance to sit down and play it. That is definitely no, one that I would like to. Would you end up running Eberron in that Savage World? Since there is that conversion, now, I certainly would. Yeah, mind. I do. I do want to preface this question with uh, Christian Serrano has listened to our podcast before, <laughs> so make him proud. <laughs> yeah, yeah. With all the you know, with all the effort that he put into an Eberron conversion, that would be the one that I would utilize if I was going to play both Savage Worlds and Eberron in that world. Is there another rule set that you might play an Eberron game in? One that you'd recommend for people? I know. We frequently recommend the uh, Good Society as a fantastic way to bring high society into Sharn and Eberron. Is there a set of rules that you think works well with uh, Eberron as well? Hmm. I have found it's not as much a setting as it is a way to play settings, but E6 works really well in Eberron. What is E6? I'm not familiar with that. E6, when... the Last time I played it was in 3.5. You only go up to level 6. And when you Ooh. would level, you would instead get another feat. So a lot of class restrictions are thrown out the window. So you just become a more powerful version of yourself that you already are as you go along. Ooh. See, that is that is nice to put those kind of restrictions, especially for spells. I, I think that's an interesting... I'm going to have to look into E6 here. That That seems like a really fun time. So, um, a big question, 3.5, 4th edition or 5th edition? It took me a while to get on the 5th edition train, but I really appreciate the simplicity and storytelling that 5th edition has. I was a, I was an avid player of 3.5. I did not play much in 4th edition. I was a bit against it, though, having gone back to comb through the Eberron source material, I can see the appeal of it but I didn't personally play a lot during 4th. I think that a lot of us when 4th hit were just immediately outraged. Like, I just bought 800 books. Please, why are you doing this to me? Ah. Right. And, and then everyone hated 4th edition. So <laughs> when 5th edition came out, there wasn't that same push, like everyone freaking out because 4th edition is done. Everyone's like, oh, 5th edition, yeah, that's fine. Right, right. I had I had stepped to Pathfinder for a bit, and I was using that one, but when I got more involved in Eberron games, you know, having to learn the, you know, current edition, I've really fallen in love with 5th edition. There are aspects of 5th edition, I, I as, like, I'm still 3.5 all the way. There, there's so many problems with 3.5, but I really, uh, I feel like it's more customizable and you get... Uh, uh, I prefer to DM 5th edition, but play 3.5. I, I think that's, <laughs> that's maybe fair. the case. Because uh, as a player for 5th edition, I feel like a lot of the times I end up making similar characters, no matter how hard I try to make them sizably different, they just end up feeling very, uh, very, very cookie cutter, very boxed in, boxed in. Exactly. Yeah, I, I've definitely caught myself more than once going into a mechanic that I know I'm overcomplicating because of hangovers that I have from 3.5 that I'm trying to make. And it's just, that's not the case. So I'm just making more work on myself than it needs to be. Mm -hmm. well, one of the things that when I first started playing, I think killed me was uh, the inability to make things permanent. That's all. <laughs> We've talked before uh, about a character that uh, I did for a while there. Uh, he was a prismatic wizard. And what he wanted to do was dye everything and color everything he was going to color code stuff for the teams and i was like oh that'll be great i'll use all these different spells to do it and they're like no there's no permanency you can't do that and i was like oh no 
and that that killed fifth edition for me for a while (laughs) that's understandable it was definitely a gear shift for some of the familiar spells for me and just you know things that i know to be true and then it's just like oh it doesn't do this anymore yeah that's not how it works in fifth edition is something that i have to say a lot to steve (laughs) and and I get to rant and rave for like 10 minutes about why that doesn't make sense and then accept the ruling regardless because uh, right. she's the DM. <laughs> that, that's just how it is. Yeah. Um, so you are the author of... No, no, no. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to... On that same vein that we were just speaking oh, on. Okay, okay. Uh, if you could have a spell in real life, is there a spell that you would have in your everyday? Oh, it would have to be Magic Missile. Like... Just straightforward, that is just the wizard's spell. But if I couldn't get something, you know, as evocative as that, prestidigitation just is so limitless. It really is. It is it has become Hey, you can do literally everything as everything long as it's with small. Prestidigitation, yeah. Uh it wasn't like that initially. Man, has it gotten super big and I love it. I really, really it's powerful. it's a very versatile spell now. Uh, so you are the author of the wonderful supplements, uh, the Sora Esma's um, uh, trinkets. Oh my gosh, I have lost the name in my brain. He's Sora Esma. The whole time he's been Sora Esma, I'm concerned now. That is definitely something that when I cracked open the 5th edition player's handbook and I saw that table of 100 trinkets, my mind just raced because... What an amazing thing to just have these slightly magical treasures that you can just dole out whenever you want to. Now, uh, in in the in the literal hundreds uh, or or per, possibly thousands, uh, you would know the number of trinkets you've created. Which one singular is your favorite? So my favorite trinket out of the, and it's like. 1570 that I have published so far. My favorite one are the pair of Fernian trousers that begin to smolder when someone wearing them starts to tell a lie. (laughs) Oh my goodness. (laughs) That is fantastic. I think that that encompasses all of, all of what, what a trinket should be. Cause it, 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 trinkets should be like a nod to something. Like so the, many the, of mine the dead are fairy in a bottle, you know, from, from the original list. From the original, there's. I think that that is because I, I didn't initially like trinkets when we first started fifth edition, and I was given a trinket. I was like, oh, that's an interesting little thing. Maybe it'll have more power. Maybe it'll come up later on. And then the the first DM I had when I first started playing fifth edition uh, used it and made it an overpowered magic item and made it unbearably powerful and i hated all of that and then so when we went back through and i started playing with rebecca's game uh, and the trinkets were more balanced more fun i really enjoyed just like the little nods and things like that and which trinket did i give you i don't remember uh, Good. i have to look at my <laughs> I don't remember either because <laughs> i was gonna say i have it on my character sheet uh but then i started picking up other little trinkets and small things like that and then eventually started like trying to track down those ridiculous little pieces of nothing that don't mean anything long term they're not super powered but they make it feel more real they make it feel more engaging and i I really do like them now what's your favorite house rule hmm i'm still a fan of fumbles (laughs) i I know you can't really fumble on skills but i i enjoy fumbles (laughs) hitting that Hitting that nat one can just be 
it, it's a DM's playground. It, it, I agree with that one, yeah. Because like, we do that in our 3-5 game all the time, and I'm like, yes, you lose your weapon. It gets sucked off the lightning rail. <laughs> I, I think that that is a, that is, I've heard so many complaints about the, the fumble tables and how uh, it's just too much and too punishing. But man, is it just nice sometimes, especially when you have a team. If they end up critting and you're like, man, this just feels no fun. They're killing everything too easy. And you're like, uh, all right, now <laughs> they fucked up. I get to do something with it. <laughs> Absolutely. Steven, it's your turn to ask a question. That's not fair. Yeah, it is. This is a, what kind of nonsense is that? Yeah, it's nonsense. <clears throat> you get the fun questions, though. I'm asking the normal ones. What the hell are you talking about? I get the fun questions. Yeah, ask a fun question. What's a fun question? I don't know. Do you have a favorite monster in D&D? Uh, the Displacer Beast has always been one of my favorites, and my first Eberron character was very, very much all about the Displacer Beast. Did he have, like, the whole, like, just get up? Was he, like, El Displacer Beast-o? He, he was. He, he <laughs> like was a Mexican a... luchador wrestler, just... He was, a, <laughs> he was an heir to House Therani. And the best way to describe him is he was just, he was a brat prince, like very much like Lestat. Obviously he was <laughs> older than the shadow schism as most elves tend to be, but he just, of course, he saw that as, you know, such a fortuitous thing that, you know, his house was going places and he was, he was just such a brat. And in 3.5, there were the, the, the feet trees that you could take to where you could, he was, he was an urban druid. So, you know, you could have the Displacer Beast companion. You could wild shape into a Displacer Beast. And his whole mechanics were just about all of that. I think I think that is always fun to do uh, those type of characters where you have that uh, entire concept. We had a gentleman in one of our games play a character called the Glacier, and he was just a... Uh, <laughs> He was a he was a wrestler and he had like that whole cold theme to him. I'm like, oh man, that's just fun. That's just a fun time yeah. to have a character and that's your entire premise for them. Yeah, theme themed characters can be so fun. He even had his hide armor was made of blink dog hide. Like nice. just all about, you know, displacer beasts and of course, you know yeah. being blink dogs, their natural enemies. It's just I, I leaned into it super hard. So if you Got Isekai'd into Eberron. What what one item would would you have with you? So, if you need me to explain, I was going to say for, for our listeners who don't know what that question means, <laughs> what Rebecca is saying is if you could introduce one real world item into Eberron, what would that be? You I cool, don't know, cool anime nerd, you right? I I don't know as much as I would introduce something new as adapt. Eberron to something that I usually have. And usually what I have are trip pants with abnormally large pockets. So having, you know, pockets of holding, I think would just be fantastic because I carry a lot of stuff in my pockets anyway. Being able to carry more stuff would just be even better. <laughs> Cargo pants of holding? Oh my goodness. <laughs> well, I'm going to have to add that in now. <laughs> Kevin, calm down. Uh... <laughs> So uh, I, I do have um, I, I do I and I, I have a question and I think you are probably the person who is uh, most capable of giving me this answer here. Uh, how did how did the morning happen, Jared? How did the morning happen? So everything that you've heard, every theory 
all of it. It is just <laughs> the the singular most overlapping oops a daisy in Eberron's history. It was the siege magic going awry. It was an overlord breaking out. It was Danelle making a bargain with the dark powers of Ravenloft. It's just everything. They're all correct, but they keep thinking they're canceling each other out because there's no way that it could possibly be that catastrophic. And there was that one guy in the middle of Metrol who's like, I'm going to cast Prestidigitation as a ninth level spell. That's what caused it. That, that, that's what pushed it over the edge. <laughs> Epic level prestidigitation. Though uh, I, 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 do, I do have to say my, my favorite pet theory is that it wasn't even Galifar's nation that was targeted. I feel, I like to think that it was something that was targeting the kingdom of Metrol or even a Dakani province. And it was just more or less a time release epic spell. But when the caster or casters enacted this, they did not foresee that Metrol would fall or the Dakani Empire would be no more. And it just happened to be that the Jewel of Galifar suffered from another kingdom's magical backlash. Hmm. See, I really like that one because that explains why it's just metrol shaped. Yeah, that's that's one of those little pieces of information that I really enjoy. Just the 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 shape that it follows. See, that is a very nice. Yeah, because otherwise it would it would cover. Yeah, that's why I've always been curious of that. But it's the borders of sire. But I mean, where were the borders of sire that particular day? It it feels a little yeah yeah. (laughs) There was a hundred year war, and it's uh, I'm not sure where the borders were. I, I don't have any other questions, so look at me. I've don't got look. nothing. Rebecca, you're the professional adult here. That's <laughs> it for us. No. <laughs> uh, Jared, where can people find uh, your amazing uh, stuff? And oh. you, in general. <laughs> well, when good, is the good luck finding my stuff coming? Come on, we, we need to yeah. know that too. Um, all of my DMs Guild products are, of course, on the DMs Guild. Uh, you know, all four four, I think. Yeah, four of my Sora Esma's cart of trinket supplements, as well as the adventures that I wrote for the Across Eberron Path and the Bana uh, standalone adventure. Um, on Twitter, uh, I am just Sora Kel, or I think my handle Son of Kel. It's one of those. Can um, confirm is, is Son of Kel. And that's basically it you know if you know if you already know my name you can hunt me down on facebook that's easy enough please uh do not hunt him down uh <laughs> i don't want to be really responsible like for that <laughs> and then anywhere on any discord or any other medium i'm always going to be dragon blood 472 uh i highly recommend anyone who is listening to this uh out of character uh fun little guy uh, to go spend your money on all all of it bana is hilariously fun um the sorasma trinkets are just chef kiss absolutely perfect um just give this man your money he deserves it and as always uh whenever we do these out of character things uh if you are not a fan of the eberron discord yet you should be join already you can do it talk to this wonderful gentleman anytime as well as us or don't. No, but you no, should do or it. Do. Yeah, yeah, no, do it. don't do or yeah, don't. Do why, why would you or don't? Don't yeah. give them the option. Do it now or else. There will be consequences. I'm not sure what the consequences are yet. I don't I don't know. Yeah. 
Jared, what are the consequences? Oh, I, I guess that means I get to hunt them down. Oh, oh, oh nice. Shit. Nice. There we go. I was going to just say disadvantage from this point forward. <laughs> I will find your DM. I'm calling your DM and you're getting disadvantage on everything. Because <laughs> all, all DMs know each other. Everybody knows that. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> We're all uh, actually in a secret DM mass Facebook page. Every DM across the world. I wanted to do that for like uh, one of the, because I was like, how are we going to do extra life stuff this year? And I was like, what if we did a live stream? And then during the live stream, we gave out people inspiration to use with their DMs. And I was like, how would I enforce that? How would I, that. how would I enforce their DM gives them inspiration? Hey, these people <laughs> on this stream said so. <laughs> if your DM has a problem with it, you call me and you give me their we'll information. I will call them directly. Uh, I will put them on blast on Twitter for all 15 of our followers. <laughs> uh, so I'd like to thank you again um, for joining us, for talking with us, for doing stupid stuff with us. Uh, fantastic voices. Uh, those of you who uh, are listening now, we did a whole conversation ahead of time. And Jared has the best uh, King Candy voice that I've ever heard. It's either King Candy or I, I automatically think of Mary Poppins, the older gentleman from Mary Poppins who oh. loves to laugh. Yeah. that, that it, It's been an absolute <laughs> blast just listening to Jared just rattle off different voices and have a ton of fun. Super, su super cool person. Uh, again, thank you. Thank you. And scene. And scene. Yeah. I don't know how to how to say that that's the end properly exit during stage these. Left. exit stage exit stage right pursued by a bear <laughs> yeah gotta go shakespeare bro who okay so okay and welcome back yeah look at that we're, we're pretending like we're there yeah. We've been joining you on this whole process. Oh my god, it's so We exciting. haven't actually, though. Uh, two other things before we jump into the last interview that we have here. Uh, the first is we are still have the feet uh, quiz. What is it? Survey? The, 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 the feet survey? I yeah, thought that it, would, it had been decided already. I mean, it's... I guess it has been decided. Has yeah, been decided. yeah, you're right. You're right. Uh, what's the other thing that we have that's available at the moment? And I was going to mention nothing. Do you remember what that was? No, the Patreon one's already done. The Patreon one is done. If you if you are a patron, uh, we are now sending out our ten dollar patron letters as thank yous to all of you. Mm -hmm. Wow, we so love you guys sorry so much. That they're very late. Um, it took a little longer than we anticipated. If yeah. you were a ten dollar patron last month you will be getting a letter ten or, uh, ten or in, above in yeah ten or above in the next uh hopefully handful of days i have to go down to the post office because um the post office doesn't like it when you put wax stamps on things yeah, uh, yeah. It, it's not just letters we send a little things along hopefully you guys like it uh if you are not a ten dollar patron now's the time to join before we send these out uh because if not we'll have to wait till next month to do it again yeah uh for those who are ten dollars next month maybe we'll do something for the ten dollars with this month and a little something extra next month too yeah as a we'll thank see. you we'll for see. everything that you guys have done yeah honestly um so our next interview is with matthew booth also known as regit Nui. um we met him on a discord server on the discord server that we've talked about so so much 
Um, so and he is the traveler. Oh my goodness, yes, he was good as the traveler. Played our traveler, and was spooky. And um, he messages us a lot. He's a fan of the show, and that's why he he joined us. We and should have delayed and had him be our spooky traveler for Halloween. Oh, we should. <laughs> Sorry, my ferret's doing really weird things in her cage. Um, so please. Enjoy our next interview. Uh, so, how do you say your full your full uh, username? Rigid Nui. Rigid Nui. Yeah. Okay. Because uh, I'm I'm not going to lie. Uh, there's a reason why we just call you Reg. Yeah. Because uh, I'm like I'm not going to I'm not going to try. <laughs> <It's>... <laughs> I'm going to mispronounce that so hard. I've heard it said Regit Nui occasionally, but it's Regit Nui, softer G. I've had it. I've had this one identity since I was. Well, I don't want to say knee high to a grasshopper because I am very. I've always been tall, so knee high to an elephant. Always been knee high to an elephant. Anyway, <laughs> but yeah, Reg is the easiest way just to abbreviate that. I've had it since I was barely still stepping onto the internet back when. YouTube had the YouTube had the funny logo and Google was still thinking hmm let's not be evil that was that's still thinking that not being evil was making them different a good idea or at least pretending not to be evil okay uh-huh. yeah, it's because it's the headphones are really old okay I was yeah. like, I'm getting a little okay. bit of feedback on that um yeah, no, I'm the same. Uh, Rugaboo has been my username since the days of Gaia Online. Uh, mm. Back when I was a wee little middle schooler doing really bad role play before I knew D&D was a thing on <laughs> Gaia. <laughs> there's always a moment when the D- when the role players go, wait, there's an entire genre of games and I haven't heard of this? How long has it been going on? <laughs> like, I, the first D and D books I got were a torrent of three point five books, nine gigabytes full of it. I still got that particular torrent, mm-hmm. and I pretty much, and I was look, and I read through the core books. Okay, interesting. I read through the monster manuals. It was fun, and then I read, and then I picked up the Eberron campaign setting, and I was like, you know, this is what I'm sorted. I'm sorted. I don't need to read anything else. I'm good. <laughs> I just read through the entire 3.5 Eberron catalog, and I was like, "Okay, I'm I'm hooked. This is the setting I want to play in. I want to play Eb. I want to play Eberron. I don't just want don't just want to play D and D. I want to play Eberron." I think it's funny that we're doing this backwards. We're doing interview first instead of recording first. <laughs> I think it, that would help though, because you know you get, get a little bit of actual interaction as opposed to you know uh, doing the, the. It makes the, it makes the interview better. Oh, man. See, I I started way before all that stuff. You're also old. Yeah, but like D&D and I Actually, I think you guys are of of equivalent age. um, Because I know that there there are some people who I thought were really old that are really young. Like like Chaos (laughs) is two years younger than me. Oh, goodness. Yeah. It's really intimidating because he knows a lot of stuff. Someone, Someone commented today that they were like 29 on something, and I was like, oh, I wouldn't have guessed that. Well, I'm 29, so would you guess that? <laughs> no, no, Reg, I would have guessed 
solidly in your 40s. I just assume anyway. <laughs> <laughs> with the British accent automatically authoritarian and just I mean, give you an not, extra 20 years. It's not British. Wow. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It is It is. It is a authoritarian type accent. I know it is South African, sir. I'm, I'm aware. Believe it or not, this is not a South African accent. I actually stand out from other South Africans when I speak. <laughs> Um, I, I, I have to say, you are the first South African, South African I've ever met. So. The South African accent is a bit is a bit tighter on a bit tighter on the vowels. I think that's right. I'm not very good at it. If you speak so, proper, so if you speak more, proper more Afrikaans, like, oh, okay. as I as I say, for Afrikaans part, this this a distinct accent that <laughs> carries over to your English. I was born I was born English in an English part of the country, and until I was about. Eight. I don't think I ever heard someone speak Afrikaans outside of school. So it was like, oh, huh? <laughs> that, ex- that explains it. Okay. All right. All right. I have, I have a lot of that myself. See, I, I, it's I really judgy, Steve. do a lot of the, uh, yeah, well, yeah, yeah, no, because cause I was like, fucking, it sounds very English. I'm sorry. I thought it sounded English. And I was like, mm. and Rebecca's like, it's not English. I don't know. <laughs> it doesn't, it, that, is not, that is not a proper English accent. No, it's not. But I mean, the, Define proper English accent. How many people do we know from England who have very proper English? Accents? A proper English accent probably sounds like you have a potato in your mouth. Yeah, it does. And potato listen to, <laughs> and so honestly, weird. listen to Sefi in the Manifest Zone. She has a, she's from London. She has, should have a Londonish accent. She definitely has a very Londoner accent. We've got two buddies. Um, who one of them lives in Sunderland, which is near Newcastle, and the other one's Welsh. So, I just I, I love I love accents, man. I, I love accents. Accents are uh, fun. They are. They're super fun. They, they are, really are solidly fun. Uh, Reg. Hi. If there was a magical creature from D and D that you could bring over into the real world, what would it be? Oof, that's a big question. <laughs> Yeah, you, 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 as as the author of the Naturalist Guide to Eberron, I felt like this was a proper question. Honestly, just being practical, it would probably be either a tresem or a pseudo dragon. Okay, makes sense. Because well, basically, one's just a cat, and the other one's a cat with dragon a catch a, dra- a catch. Well, sorry, a dragon, a dragon shaped cat. Okay, let's say throw practicality out the window. Screw practicality. Hmm. That is a big. That is a bigger question. Um. Hmm. We can narrow it. Uh, it would be your pet. It it would be like your best bud. Um. Yeah, I'd probably still have to go with a probably a a pseudo dragon or. Maybe a blink dog, some, something reasonably sized, but not big. I'm not particularly big on, no pun intended, not particularly enthused about having something bigger than me as a pet. So probably pseudo dragon would be my final answer generally. Uh, Steve. Oh, I, I have no idea. Yeah, no, I'm asking you now. Because you're laughing. You're over here giggling. Yeah, because it's easy for me to giggle when I'm not on the receiving end of a weird question. <laughs> like this, uh, yes. I, yeah, I probably... Uh, anything from D&D gets to be my pet. Uh, I'd probably go Chimera. Just because it's a complicated 
like that would that would make everything. Are Canaries sentient? I I don't know, Rebecca. I have no idea at the moment. Normally, I would check the intelligence score, but I can't check anything there, Rebecca. <laughs> have you guys seen the baby's be- baby's bestiary or baby bestiaries? Um, I uh, so uh, uh, who worked on who who did the baby bestiary? I don't know their name, but I can probably come up their studio. You know how people are. They'll have a studio or a name they work under. Uh, I can probably find it quickly. Uh, Metal Weave Games. Uh, Andreas Walters. I think that's how you say it. But anyway, that's basically the, that's probably the most gorgeous, those are probably the most gorgeous little baby monsters I've ever seen. This entire, that entire series, both of those books. I mean, do you want to... If you've ever seen a like a baby Rakshasa, it looks cute. (laughs) Oh, I feel like baby Rakshasas would actually be like terrifying. Well, Eberron Rakshasas don't come don't come in baby sizes. (laughs) They're immortals. They just kind of pop into the world fully formed. Pop. They just exist. Yeah. Um, just obnoxiously so, continuing to reform, so like be a baby. No, be a baby. No. Yeah, 100% on that. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, it's got it's got dragon head, it's got goat head, it's got a lion head. It's going to be a great time. So I've got a question. It fly. Is it three fire. separate digestive tracts, or is it one? I, it's not going to matter. I'll feed. I can put on. I can put on my red hat and tell you. <laughs> I actually did oh, yeah, go through. Yeah, yeah, actually, we have the gentleman from the National Guard. Yes, should, you yes. did. I did actually. I did actually write this down. It's mostly a mammalian animal, despite the appearances. It has very little to do with dragons. It's the three heads are all connected to same digestive digestive tract, the same stomach, and often a. It's a common problem with three-headed or multiply-headed animals that they will, when they are young, they will overeat. Each, each baby head thinking it also needs to eat as much as the other heads do. They grow out of this by their adolescence. So a chimera is what a chimera, despite three heads, is more or less one intelligence and especially one stomach. It's not going to try and kill you when it's already eaten someone else. Just because the drag, if the dragon head eats your companion, it's not going. You're not going to have the lion head try to eat you. Because it knows it's eaten. That, that is interesting. Now, if I charm the goat head, does that mean that I've also charmed the dragon head and the lion head? Well, it's a difficult, a difficult situation. This is why most guides in the area of Zalago, especially those mountains, I forget the name, which specific mountain range they are in. But that's why... Harpies are often the best guides because they can simultaneously charm all three heads just with their song. So it's very it's much easier for them. I'm honest, I have I'm glad to say that I have never been in the situation where I would need to try and harm charm individual heads of a chimera, but I have been told that you can pull it off with a specialized casting. That you can charm all three heads simultaneously. So is it omnivorous or is it carnivorous? Because it's got like the goat head and goats don't eat meat. Believe it or not, Alufi, goat heads, goats are actually omniv- omnivorous. They will eat pretty much anything. So in some, 
if you starve a goat, it will start to eat the wood, the wood of its fence. Not very well. It will chew on it, mostly. It doesn't get much nutrition out of it. It's sort of a lost resort in that case. But it does... But a chimera as a whole is actually a carnivore. And it's actually quite a sadistic carnivore as well. It will, it will catch prey it cannot eat or has not time to eat and will put it into a pen of sorts, like a natural canyon, and let it run around there. I've, I explained this in my book that, the, that it will often also leave its cubs there. It's suspected it's a sort of training for the little cubs, that they will have a panicked or tired prey and prey item in that area for the cubs to practice on. So Reg, tell us a little bit about the naturalist's guide. <laughs> yeah, you see, see, you know a thing or two about it. Well, yeah, tell us about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, basically the naturalist's guide started because I wanted to exercise my writing muscles with something easy, just something light and quick. Because I've honestly had the hardest time committing to a long form thing. Like, I can't, I've maybe gotten six or seven, maybe 10 pages into projects and just skipped a day, then skipped another day. And then I come back and I'm like, what was I even thinking with this? So the naturalist's guide has a lot of stopping points. It's very nice. It's quite nice and easy. The longest continuous piece of writing is the maybe two, maybe two, two and a half pages short story at the beginning. The mm -hmm. first one, if you've read that one, is was actually quite a bit more raunchy when I originally wrote it. That's got it got cleaned up for the Dungeon Masters Guild. <laughs> I do remember and going, oh my. <laughs> yeah, it was a bit more explicit. Not to the point of porn parody, but it was quite, it was a bit, it was a bit more explicit in its dancing around the subject matter as opposed to just, you know, oh, they kissed really strongly. I mean, we, we've all, we've all written stuff like that. I mean, yeah. I don't, I don't know if if you if you listened to the uh, the the candle fanfic that I posted in off topic a few days ago. I actually don't think I have. I can't, I kind of skipped it because I have no idea what those candles are. That's totally I think I might... fine. Yankee, yeah, yeah. It's uh, don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you you kind of get the funny thing is that down here in South Africa, you get a lot of American media. So if you say if you say something if you say a, a media franchise I can probably I can probably relate but you ask me about some specific brand and it's a toss up because we're part of the commonwealth I can I can get stuff from the UK from your the UK I can from America the two big ones but we trade with a lot of people with a lot of mineral wealth we have there's a lot of imports and exports going on around here so, like, I can, I've got Bovril in my fridge, and I don't think that, not my fridge, in my pantry, and I don't think that's a big thing in America. And it was right here when we had some very, very fun technical difficulties, where uh, we forgot where we were, we couldn't talk to each other, so this is us picking up 
kind of where we left off, uh, talking about and fangirling over the inevitables. Here you are. I, I'm not sure where we yeah, were. Yeah, that should should exist. Uh, I, I named a character on Hydrude because I, I love them so much. Uh, <laughs> and it, it, uh, he, he's a monster and I had terrible... no idea that's where that name came oh, from. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, uh, I thought that so, it was supposed so to be like Egyptian he, he or something. Had, no, he had an actual name and he was off one day uh, exploring and doing his thing. And as he came back over a, a dune, he watched as this monstrous machine destroyed everything everything all of his people the entire city all just completely gone she and was he one was of like those weird like sand swimmer guys right yeah he was at yeah. ashrani yeah he was like, yeah that's yeah, no, what I'm they were called i have an entirely different rant prepared for those but let's not do that oh my god yeah let's let's hear the ashrani <laughs> oh my god we i didn't have realize to actually do real so work. much anger you know this is a great conversation Rebecca. it's not not no specifically one... ashrati but more just the whole thing about that series of books that it's wet outside. It's dry outside. It's okay. Sorry. It's it, cold what's... outside. It's yeah. wet outside. It's dry outside. It's cold outside. Yeah. Yeah. Stor- yeah. Stormscape. What you call it? Who's it? That thing. Uh, uh, it's a uh, storm rack, uh, sandstorm, and then uh, frost burn. Okay. Yeah. My main problem is that those all seem to have this massive love for replacing or for basically saying, you know what, you want to play a halfling. Here, you can play a wet halfling, or you can play a dry halfling, or here's a dry goblin. But why <laughs> are you f- just playing the same game in a different environment when you can just use the stuff you've already got to play that same game in a different environment? Don't give me a buka that's basically, oh, I am goblin. I wear le- I wear dry leather instead of wet leather because I live in a desert cave instead of a... A horribly stinky cave in the middle of a forest. Give me something interesting, something I can work with. Like, oh, okay, okay. What do uh, de- uh, what but... do desert dwellers what do desert dwellers look at and say? Oh my god, those things are creepy as fuck. They don't. Okay, they okay. shouldn't say that for a goblin because a goblin That's is a goblin. <laughs> they should That's say that something that... specific. The Asherati were also a very fucking creepy people. I will give you that. And I will give you that the Uldra and Neanderthals and everything in fucking Frostburn, a lot of those races were confusing. But Handozi and Stormwreck, fantastic. Oh, yeah. I love, I love Handozi. I would that honestly the put them. book worth it. I would honestly put them straight into Eberron if I could figure out a place that I liked. My first, <laughs> my first instinct was on the coast of Zendrik, but. I'm kind of against the whole coast stuffing everything in Zendrik idea now because honestly, 90% of the naturalist guide could be it's in Zendrik, next entry. It's in Zendrik, next entry. It's in Zendrik, next entry. <laughs> Every one so, of them takes place on their own specific island of the shark, uh, of the teeth. Just, oh, yeah, they're on that tooth. They're on that tooth. They're on that one. <laughs> yeah, like I could do that easy, but it's not, <laughs> it's not it's as not creative. creative. Yeah. Uh, that's that's I why mean, I put. Uh, Sorry, that's why I put Atacocra in Danvi instead of in instead of Ooh. in Zendrik because they're yeah. over there. They're, these things are these things are so associated with the forces of law in their default lore. Did I pronounce that differently? That why not put them on the plane of law as mortals that just gets along there by just continuing to be what they are? If that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. I think putting the see, and that's why I like finding the the different places for the 
uh, different creatures of Eberron. It's really a lot of fun. And Keith did so much work on that and then just allows you to do more. Mm. And you're like, oh, I'm not sure what to do with it. And he's like, here, here are these 30 options for where it could have come from. And that's yeah. just fantastic. Keith is a good creator. I, lo- I love him. I actually want to meet him. That's why I, that's why I tried to come to, Z- to Gen Con twice. Because I know he would be at Zen- Gen Con and I wanted to meet him. <laughs> We've, we've met him uh, two Twice. times, three times, Twice. four times, something like that. Uh, you know what that is? That is American nerd privilege. <laughs> it is. It solidly is. We, we went to PAX two times in a row, and we met him both times. And then mm. while we were at PAX oh my gosh, for those days, we kept dork. finding him and so... running into him casually. And we yeah, like, oh it, God, became like, it became an in-joke. Whenever we would see someone with a hat similar to his, we'd be like, is that Keith Baker? <laughs> <laughs> um, no, so this dork. So Stephen's birthday uh, was right around PAX Unplugged last year, and uh, meet. Uh, our roommate mm-hmm. uh, had gotten Steve the um, Rising from the Last Lo- uh, 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 Rising from the Last War, and he was like, "I'm gonna have Keith Baker sign it." And so we come over because uh, he had texted me saying, "Hey, I'm having Keith sign it now." So we came over to the booth because he was um, trying out the uh, Adventure Zone um, board game. He was doing that demo uh, with Keith, and. Um, yeah. I see Keith duck behind the booth really quick because he was like secretly signing the book because uh, 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 Meeps had asked him to, to to sign it really quick. He ducked behind the booth and like walked up and handed the book to Steve and was like, happy birthday. And I'm just like, well, he's, he's such what a cool a guy. Dork. He really is. He's, he's the nicest. Yeah. I've actually, I actually had one of my, I actually bought the Eberron campaign setting and the Eberron campaign guide, the 3.5 and 4 and 4 ebooks. And I was actually going to, actually had them delivered to a friend of mine who lives in Indianapolis. She was on the server. I'm not sure if she still is. And I was going to stay with her and we were going to go to Gen Con and we're going to meet Keith and I was going to get them to sign them in person. But they were delivered to her from Dungeon Masters Guild, but I wasn't. So she got them signed and got them sent to me. <laughs> oh, no. So I've well, actually got those got two signed. signed right? Yeah, yeah, I've got those two signed. If got... if I manage to get to Gen Con, I've got two new books to bring: Exploring Eberron and Rising. <laughs> we'll have to we'll have to just stalk him at Gen Con and get him to sign it. Yeah, like that's I, I've had him sign uh, like four books now because every time uh, we go, I bring another book and. <laughs> Uh, I I have uh, a monster's manual. I have uh, the 3.5 fancy guy monster's manual, Uh, you know, like the shiny one uh, that everyone's like, ooh. (laughs) Uh, And I had him sign that and do art on top of the coaddle. I've had some (laughs) other people sign it as well. It's super fun. And that's my new thing is getting people to sign that monster's manual. Joe Cat did the... Oh, Joe Cat, yeah. Did he draw his his Joe Crap persona on it? No, he did. No. He did. Um, he turned the mind, uh, the mind flayer into a mind raver, and like made it like like a like a big afro, like a big and afro, put, uh, like uh, glow sticks in its hand. Uh, yeah, that was really fun. <laughs> nice. Uh, an artist friend of mine, because uh, I have one that I have like, oh hey, you're famous. Sign this one, and then hey, I know you when we play D and D. Sign this one. 
uh, <laughs> two very different monsters manuals. One is the first book I ever had for D and D, so like I absolutely love it. Uh, and he he took that one and turned it into a mind lenial, and <laughs> he's drinking a, a, a frappe, a boba, boba tea, tea. Yeah. and then uh, he only eats uh, brains off of avocado toast. It's just the best. <laughs> I've just had this mental picture of a mind of a mind flayer holding all these humans and elves and whatever hostage. The only thing to eat, only thing that they can eat, the only thing in this entire prison is an avocado tree. And the mind flayer only eats them it's their brains once they've been properly seasoned by eating enough avocado. (laughs) It's got the healthy fat. It's got the good fat in it. You know, good fat in it. Jesus. and that was it guys um thank you so much again to both uh jared and matthew um db and Regit nui as we genuinely call them here here yeah. here at the house you don't get to be matthew in the house no you get no Reg. you're reg and db and db <laughs> <laughs> anyway i thank you guys both because i know that you guys are listening um for doing this and uh, helping with our projects and thank you everybody else who's listening and decided to sit in on this just bunch of silly silly stuff also thank you for the people who've reached out to us and they're like hey uh, i have this idea for your podcast hey i want to do this voice in your podcast we really appreciate hearing that we may not get to work in every idea or work with everyone who puts Mm -hmm. it in but we love hearing from you guys entirely it's really easy to get a hold of us um typically if you start talking about the echoers on the eberron discord or on reddit or something we get tagged somebody tags us some somebody will be like hey you guys (laughs) and then we get to just geek out with you because it's so nice talking to uh, to pretend we're like pretend famous for the day pretend famous for the day uh anyway thank you so so much again for listening and i hope that everybody has a wonderful rest of your week we look forward to seeing you this far bye guys bye